We are so excited about both of our campuses. Our church is on two campuses, and a lot is going on on both of the campuses. A lot is happening because people are getting involved with what God is doing in each of the communities. So uh, you continue to pray for both of our campuses and leadership and decisions that we make about how that affects uh, trying to get the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ to those who desperately need it. On this campus, I want to give you a couple of updates. Thank you for praying for our leadership. We've been talking for the last probably month about what are we going to do about um, our growth. Many Sundays, it's hard to find a seat. And uh, today we brought some in the back. Um, but as we, this is still fall break. So um, we're praying for continued growth, opportunities to reach out to folks and try to bring teaching of scripture and the good news of Jesus Christ um, to anyone who will listen, who wants life change and those who also want to be a part of that life change. So we have been talking about two services or uh, like starting another service or do we knock the wall down? And I think we've kind of come to the conclusion of we're going to start moving toward trying to knock this wall down. And uh, the students are already, they don't fit in there anyway. That's the student center behind there. And they're, they're in here on Wednesday nights. And that's, we, we made that for Wednesday night. So uh, they're already too big to fit in, the, in that room. So we're going to be working toward um, changing occupancy, uh, pulling permits, trying to get the wall knocked down and move all this stuff to the far back wall. <clears throat> Our goal would be we'd only be down one Sunday. And as soon as we're able to do that, as short as the next couple of weeks, we're going to try to get this wall down um, because we have some combined events coming through the holidays that we'd love to have that wall knocked down so that we can combine with our Two Rivers campus for our uh, Christmas stuff. So we're kind of on a timeline to get things done early, but I wanted to give you an update on that. As we're doing that, we're also working on building out back here in the back, a student center, about 2,500 square feet, uh, a new children's area out on the left side of a hallway that would extend all the way to the glass doors in the back. Um, just a lot of stuff that we're really praying through. Multi-purpose rooms for adults. Right now we have two. We've, we've added a third one in the, you have to walk through the warehouse to get to it, but on the corner down there we added a third one because we don't have rooms to really accommodate 25 or 30 people. So we're trying to get to multi-purpose rooms for our adults. So you be praying about being a part of that. And like me and Julie, we have been blessed and are giving over what we normally give to help uh, in the construction coming. And uh, it'll start with the wall. That'll probably, hopefully, if it's not, it's going to be way out of out of uh, timing, but hopefully the wall would be first, and then we'll start the construction out in the back uh, sometime after we get through submitting our plans and getting all the way through planning zoning commission. So uh, you be praying about that. Still a long way to go, but that's the direction we're heading. And if you would want to give, uh, you can start that now. There's a pull-down menu on the website, PushPay, on our app. There are ways that you can give to our renovation. All right? And if you have any questions, you can talk to me after the service. 
If you have your Bibles, iPhone, iPad, whatever, Android device, we don't want to leave that out. Uh, especially for today's message. <laughs> Turn with me to Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10. Several weeks ago, we started this series and Jason, uh, Justin made a, Jason, where'd that come from? Justin said a statement that's kind of rung true for the last month or so. We, we talked about it in our life group that night. He made a statement. If Jesus was never hurried, then why is his church so frantic? Think about that. If Jesus was never heard, then why is the church so frantic? Shouldn't we have cause for concern of what we do, of who we are, of what we have, of what we do, what we did in our being? Verse 38, Luke chapter 10, verse 38. Let's stand in honor of God's word. While they were traveling, he entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. She had a sister named Mary, who also sat at the Lord's feet and was listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by her many tasks. And she came up and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to serve alone? So tell her to give me a hand. Verse 41, the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and upset about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary made the right choice and it will not be taken away from her. Father, may your word ring true in our hearts and minds today. Calm our spirits, calm our minds. The racetrack and the gerbil wheel that we've created, we lay it all at your feet today. May your word be clear to us. Speak through me, hide be me behind the cross and get your word to folks who need it. For it's in your name that we pray, amen. You can be seated. Um, <laughs> okay, this is the fess up time. I've been beat up really bad this week. Um, Justin and I got together a couple of times this week and we were talking through the message titled Slowing Down. Slowing Down. So the first time we sat down, we talked through, prayed through scripture. What does it look like? What does it sound like? Second time we got through, we sat down, we began to discuss how neither one of us are anything like what we're going to try to share. <laughs> I can identify with Martha tremendously. Probably most people in here today can identify 
with Martha. If you know me well, you know uh, I don't sit down much. I'm, I'm like nervous energy. I have 100 projects going on. I have things to do, places to go, and usually you're trying to get there as fast as I can. And so uh, I'm, I'm the worst person to be teaching on this one subject for sure. So I've been beat to death this week about the things that I am falling short on. <clears throat> Excuse me. And what we want to communicate as believers in Jesus Christ. And I will admit to you that I've been falling short of this. And I want to teach you some things that God has whipped me about this week. Um, and you pray as you receive it. The calls for concern that the church of Jesus doesn't look like its Savior. The church of Jesus is in frantic mode. And so much of the daily life that we walk through is in frantic mode. We learn to spend 20 plates at once. And maybe we're good at 10, and as long as it's under 10, we don't drop any. But if it gets to 15, some drop, and we'll pick them up later. The hurriedness that we seem to find ourselves in. People in our life group, we were talking about, okay, I, I see the need for rest. I see the need to slow down, but how do you do that? How do you come about making a decision to rest? Answer is deliberately. You have to choose it. It's not going to just happen out of an accident. You have to choose it. We have to choose to go in a new direction. We have to abandon what we're presently doing, stick our foot in the ground and pivot and go a different direction. If we don't, we continue in that path and we find ourselves frustrated in that process. Maybe we have to ask ourselves better questions. Maybe the questions would be, since when does busy give us more value? When did busy become a stack pole for who we are? Why do I spend so much time trying to convince someone how busy I am? First point, slow down. We are so hurried. Jesus is many things in Scripture, but rarely, if not ever, in a hurry. Let's look at Scripture. Jesus puts on display non-hurried examples uh, many times in Scripture. One of them was, was with Lazarus. Lazarus, um, people were trying to get him to come. He was sick, had passed away, and they were trying to hurry Jesus to come. Relatives, they were trying to hurry him. He would not hurry. In fact, set aside time to rest on his journey. In the garden, when it seemed so dire, when decisions were getting made in the seemingly wrong direction, Jesus pulled away. When he knew what was coming, he pulled away to rest and to pray. Over and over again in Scripture, he steps away. To rest. 
just before this message, this uh, scripture that we read today, there's a parable of the Good Samaritan. That parable is starting with a person trying to trick Jesus. We're talking about a neighbor and we're talking about the law. And what he's trying to communicate is define what a neighbor is. It's like a trick. He's trying to redefine it. He's trying to change it, a trick on the law. So he asked, so who's a neighbor? So the Good Samaritan story is the priest and the Levite, they come by the person who has been mugged and laying for dead on the side of the road. And they come on the other side of the street, bypassing what they don't want to stop and deal with. But one person did, a Samaritan, a a contemporary terrorist in terms. He stops and he cares for, he bandages. He stops, he invests in this robber, in this uh, person who was robbed. He didn't stop there. He put him on his horse, took him, or mule, donkey, and took him into the city, put him in a hotel, paid for the hotel, even telling him, I'll be back in a couple of days, please care for him, and if I owe you anything more, please tell me. Beyond the call. And then Jesus turns around and says, so who is the neighbor? Well, the man certainly understands what that is. And he said, go and do the same. That's who a neighbor is. The next story is the Mary and Martha story. Because similar in nature is the intentionality behind it. The deliberate choice to make. We follow the Lord by matching his pace to ours. We're conditioned so much to hurry because of this thing called a clock. Man-made clock. The clock was developed by monks, invented by St. Benedict in the 6th century when developing the concept of fixed hour of prayer. Because of that fixed hour of prayer, they were calling for prayer seven times a day. So to, to define what that would be, they would develop this clock. In 1370, we find the first time in Germany a public clock. It became less seasonal and more fixed day to day. Work became nine to five. The opportunities for appointments began to make. Instead of the sun as it crosses the tree, I'll meet you in the... It became 10 o'clock. forever would change our view of time here in the West. But because of that, and the artificial part of that was better defined when the light bulb was invented. Edison would invent the light bulb in 1879. Prior to this, North Americans would sleep 10 to 11 hours a night. And now we average... Maybe seven. Depends on which stat you look at. 
The technological advances lead to further efficiencies, of course. And as we continue to move through history, we're mostly a fan of technology. Or I am. I didn't ride a horse today to church. I love air conditioning when it's 100 degrees outside. I love electricity. I love indoor plumbing. We made so many advances through history. But each one along the way has changed our hurriedness. And then enters 2007, the explosion of the digital age, the launch of social media. MySpace was first. Facebook, the true smartphone, was first developed in 2007. Prior to that, we were going to computers and sitting down and looking at a screen for long periods of time. 2007, it started becoming mobilized. Now we put it in our pocket and we can carry it with us. Supposedly more connected to each other that we could be in a relationship. Furthering our term phone etiquette. Some of us don't even know what a phone etiquette means. Phone etiquette is probably for the older folks who understand way back when, when the phone would ring, it had a cord on it. It was like attached to the wall. Phone etiquette. <laughs> Today, most of us don't even type full sentences. Um, we don't even type words. BTW. IMO. And some of us don't even have time to type those out. We, we, now it's emoji. Yeah. Now we don't even respond with a, with a typed out sentence. Now it's just send an emoji. Yeah. <laughs> we, or like, you know, you can like the comment. You, you don't, don't answer it, just like it. <clears throat> Things are getting faster and more efficient but will continue to be less and less like Jesus as we hurried without thought, without understanding, allowing the culture around us to drive the bus. We're missing the details in the hurriedness. In this passage of Scripture, contrasting Martha and Mary, Mary didn't miss the details. Mary is sitting and soaking up Jesus. Now, it, it, does, it does say that they were both sitting at the feet of Jesus. They were both together with Jesus at some point. But Martha, thinking of all the things she has to do, gets up and eventually somewhere starts doing stuff. And frustrated that Mary doesn't help. She says to Jesus, can you not see Mary is lazy and sitting here doing nothing? Can you believe it? Tell her to get up and help me. But he doesn't say that. He says, Martha, you are thinking about too many things. Mary is choosing something great that cannot be taken away from her. 
the details. Mary's learning my ways. Mary is soaking it in. Maybe as people, believers in Jesus Christ, we can learn to notice details and celebrate the idiosyncrasies of people around us. Celebrating the opportunities that we understand where people are as we go. We become to others a source of wisdom in that process. Number two, be present. To be present. You can actually be in a group of people. You're even closely together. You're sitting in a circle. Maybe you're in a small room and there's a group of people and you're all in there together and you're going, man, look at them. They are relating so well. Well, how do you know that? Because they're all looking at their phones. (laughs) No. We miss the details because we're so busy entertaining that we miss the party. In that process, we're trying to communicate with maybe 15 or other, other people that are not even in the room. We're not even present with the people that we are present with. Maybe that's a problem in your family. Maybe, maybe that's a problem at school. Maybe that's a problem in the neighborhood, in the college dorm. Anywhere you find yourself with a group of people, are you present Jesus never half-heartedly gave sight to the blind. He never half-heartedly gave hearing to the deaf. He stopped. In Scripture, it says he took time out from whatever he was doing, wherever he was going, and full-on changed somebody's life. Even the demon-possessed, he approached Even with just a touch, Scripture says that he stopped. He paused what he was doing. He was present with them in the moment. In verses 40 and 41, Jesus says she's distracted by her many tasks. You are worried and troubled about too many things. We are constantly and compulsively moving on to the next thing. Many of us have relationships with our phones or technology that literally can be defined as compulsion or obsession. Obsession defined an idea or thought that continually preoccupies or intrudes on a person's mind. The thought process that changed. Preoccupation. We're missing out on the Lord in the intentional time that maybe he is putting us in the path of someone that we should notice, but we don't because we're looking down. We're preoccupied. Martha is missing the moment. Mary is soaking it up. Number three, be intentional. We're conditioned to gain immediate gratification. 
with how many likes on how many posts. How many of you put a picture, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, something, put a, put a picture up and you go back and start looking at how many likes you have. Preoccupation. Because it's a two-way street. It's not just the people that are posting it up or the people who are looking at it. It's both. It's the preoccupation of self-gratification. It's how fast food places begin to happen because we're the self-gratification. We got it faster. The world doesn't understand what the church should be. The culture that's in the world should not be coming into the church. We should be accepting Jesus' invitation. We can be led by Jesus or we can be led by the culture. We're not trying to keep up with the Joneses. We're trying to keep up with Jesus. We're not comparing ourselves to each other. We're comparing ourselves to Jesus. Exodus 3. That's a passage of scripture where Moses sees the burning bush. He begins to realize the bush is not burning. So because of that, he walks over to it and wonders what is going on. Well, fast forward through, he, God starts talking to Moses, telling him he needs to do some things. And here, here's the statement I want you to grab. He says, who is it that's sending me? What do I tell them? Who do I say sent me? I am who I am. Sent me. Tell them that. It's a thought that I want you to ponder today. I am. What does I am mean? Who is I am to you? And then changing the subject matter. I am. Because I should be more worried about who I am than what I do. That's being versus doing. What is it that defines you? Is it defining who you are or what you do? Is it your job? Is it your friends? Is it what you have? It should be who you are. What is it about doing that defines us? When we find success, maybe we're meeting goals and objectives, all good. But if that defines who we are through that process, we begin to lose a little bit of what God might be trying to do inside our heart, inside of our mind. We lose the opportunity to meditate because we're so busy. We lose the opportunity to understand that we're having a problem. It just gets worse and worse and worse without a deliberate plan to change. Why don't we say more about who we are? Maybe even whose we are. Why do we talk so much about what we do? One way to define that could be, how do I work on the I am in my life? Both I am and I be. 
the word be, being. Just who you are, not moving, not acting out, not doing nothing. Look at Mary. Mary is soaking it in. Understanding the things, wanting to know the things about Jesus. The character of Jesus. What did Jesus want to talk about that day? I would love to know that. Mary was all about it. Martha was worried that the chicken's burning. <laughs> the glasses might be dirty. There's, there's spots on them. We, Jesus is here. We've got to clean this up. She's busy doing stuff. Not choosing the better. Mary's present with Jesus. Mary is soaking it up. Martha is busy with anything but that. How much time do you spend in the Word of God? How much time do you spend in the Bible? In the Word of God? Think about that for just a minute. The fact that we even have the Bible is absolutely amazing. If you've ever Googled the history of the Bible, Google that and start reading about it, and it is unbelievable that we still have this today. It's only a God thing that we even have Scripture today. But because we have it today, it's even more amazing that we don't value it more. Now, we don't worship the Bible. We worship the God in the Bible. Jesus that's in the Bible, we know because he's in the Bible and we're reading it. If you want to know about Jesus, he's in here. John 1, 1 says that the word became flesh. The word was God. Jesus is the flesh. Jesus is God. And God is communicating to us in here. How incredible to think there's a word from God, the person that made us, and we, we back up to the place where we're just so busy, we don't, even, we don't even look at it. We don't even read it. Here's a thought, just a thought. What if we desired the Bible, the Word of God. What if we desired that the same as we do our phone? Whoa. Would we look at it every three minutes? Because that's what we do with our phone. Um, statistics, it depends on your age of how many times you look at your phone. I looked at it during the sermon. How many times do you look at your phone? What, what changes in your life would happen if you thought that way about your Bible? Every time you have an impulsion, the compulsion or obsessive nature to look at your phone, something might have happened while I, it was in my pocket or it buzzed and I have to know now. Maybe the frantic part, even maybe you left your phone in the car today and it, it is driving you crazy. Because your phone is not on you. 
What if we valued that the same as our phone? The Bible and the phone. Could we put the Bible down for a whole day and not even read it? Some of us, some of us hadn't even looked at the Bible in, in months. Maybe you come to church and you're thinking, uh, well, I have to go to church so I can hear scripture today. You have the word of God. And we look at our phone all day long, every three minutes, and we don't look at the word of God. We're not curious about what God says, understanding what God is doing to try to change us. It's a process that's it's difficult. I, I want to say it's difficult. But it's necessary. And here's where God has beat me up all week. The word of God. We have. We value it. We don't value it enough. We don't read it enough. I challenge you to get the word of God off the shelf and open it up. And the words of God jump out into your life. Learning to meditate again. See, it's hard to have this conversation in the busyness of what we're doing. Because I hear it so many times. I say it to myself. I don't have time for this. Get, get up early. I can't get up early. I went to bed so late. Why'd you go to bed so late? Well, the Dodgers went to 13 innings. So you, you chose that and you didn't. You see what I mean? Like it, the priorities that we put on ourselves becomes entertaining and not life-changing. What would it be like if we looked at our Bible every three minutes? That we spend two hours of a day on social media. What would it look like in my day of busyness? When's the best opportunity I have to get alone with God? Because we're alone away from each other, not alone because we're with God. So what does that look like to you? Maybe it's scripture. Maybe it's journaling with the scripture. Maybe it's a song that you need to, to hear before you start reading scripture. Whatever that might look like. Start it this week. Start it tomorrow morning. That God would speak to you. I want to say from this platform, we believe the Bible is the inerrant word of God and it is the testimony of life change and all throughout history and forever to come. We believe in prayer. We believe in prayer. We believe the opportunity for prayer not just changes the things around you and the people around you, it changes you. The more time you spend in prayer, the more you change. And when you really get engrossed in what God's word says and what God is saying to you, you'll find suddenly 
I didn't think I could do this for 30 minutes, but good grief, I've been here for 40. I challenge you to try it. May it fall down like rain to be resting with God.